most companies, innovation is an activity conducted inside the organization. But over the last decade, we experienced that organizations increasingly sourcing innovation beyond their borders and searching for new ideas outside their walls. This concept is called open innovation, and in the past years, it has attracted growing attention worldwide, both in academia and in practice. On today's episode of Fintech Flow, we will dive into the world of open innovation, trying to understand why it is a great concept, what could it bring to a corporation, and how should a company approach it in order to gain success. Welcome to Fintech Flow, where we deep dive into the depth and complexity of successful startups, sit down with bright fintech minds, and bridge together the gap in mindset between the legacy players and today's innovators. With 10 years experience as a manager in the financial sector, MIT certified fintech expert Linda Sharlai is prepared to put it all in play and to follow the flow. We can find a few great examples for open innovation in Hungary, and I am happy that my guest today is someone who can give us first-hand advice on the topic. He is Janos Pereces, Managing Director of MKB Fintech Lab. Fintech Lab is a leading Budapest-based banking innovation lab and startup investor founded by MKB Bank. Fintech Lab wants to drive the digital transformation of financial services by bringing innovations to market through partnerships. Janos believes in open innovation and that startups and corporates have the power together to change the future by creating better services for customers. Janos, welcome to Fintech Flow. Hey everyone, thanks Linda. It's great to be here. Let's start with the very basics. What is open innovation in your definition? In my definition is the new way to do innovation and development in any organization. Traditionally, big corporates have been the traditional inside-out corporates. So, you know, they they work by themselves, they think uh, about ideas by themselves, they decide on ideas, they build it, and once they build once they have built it they take it to the customers and they and they test whether it's a good idea or not in the new day, new days of innovation now it's uh, it's the other way around now is it's the outside in perspective and the outside in perspective allows you to do a lot of things it allows you to to bring in new ideas and new methods and new talents from other sectors and other other verticals of the industries like academia like startups like even your own customers and it allows you to to fail faster because while the inside-out uh, perspective it takes you months and even years to to go to a customer and talk to them and you know test whether your idea is true or not. In the outside-in perspective, you get feedback faster, and you can also develop your ideas faster by using academia and startups and your customers. Do I wanna fail? You said that I can fail faster. If you ask. A traditional executive in a corporate no you don't want to fail and that's why almost every project in a big corporate is successful like in parentheses successful but in the real world you want to fail because if you if you fail fast that means that you are not spending resources on things that are never going to convert to customer or business value and at the end what matters is that you create value to customers so you talk about outside-in innovation and uh, saying that maybe you should partner up with the outsiders being someone from academia, from a lab, or maybe a startup, and innovate that way. How can you create value and why is it very beneficial for a big corporate? To, to step back a little bit before we talk about like certain methods and how you can create value is that what I believe in is that 
there is two sides of this this table. One side is the corporate, and the corporate has the so-called like financial capital, so it has the resources to to do something. And the other side of the table is the academia and the startups and the talents outside the corporate, which has the I call it talent capital. And this is uh, I think this is a great concept that you can combine the financial capitals of a corporate with the talent capital of the other side and. It sounds funny that you know if they find, if the corporate has a lot of money, why can't they just buy talent? But if you if you still like go to like the average corporate's website and you look at it how it was built and you know what kind of user experience it provides, you you, you will be surprised like how hard it is to for a corporate to integrate talent into the legacy it has. And I think that open innovation is all about this reciprocity of the financial capital and talent capital that sides that's that's outside the corporate and. Uh, you have a lot of methods how you can combine these financial capital and talent capital from corporate accelerators like we do in MKB to just simple hackathons or just you know normal partnerships where you decide that hey I see a problem with my customers for example I'm a bank and I see that they they just can't save money and every every day every final day of the month they have a balance of zero so I need some kind of a solution to to help them to save money and then you go out go out to the academia and start offer and ask them what kind of solutions have you been working on and how we can combine these resources you have the talent and I have the financial capital and then we can make our customers happy together okay it sounds pretty easy so big corporates have money and uh, maybe they are not able to attract the best talent in every field Still, they are looking for the expertise, so with their money, they can buy the talent, work together, match made in heaven, deal done. Is that this simple? It's not that simple, and uh, to be honest, I don't think there is a perfect recipe of uh, why isn't isn't it that simple and how you can make it simple. What we have been working on in FinTech Lab is that we try to do... We try to do two things, basically. The first thing is that we try to bring the bank itself closer to their customers and then the bank you know, can identify what kind of uh, problems my customers have because most of the time what you realize is that you have these corporates in the beautiful headquarters and with, with a lot of money but they don't really know what their customers, what kind of problems their customers have and if you don't know what, my, what kind of problems your customers have you shouldn't do any kind of innovation, open innovation, because everything should start with the customer and you know what kind of problems my customers have and how I can I create value to them. And this was a big learning to us, for example, because when we started almost three years ago in MKB FinTech Lab, we started from the other end of the spectrum. We started with investing into startups, trying to you know create partnerships between MKB and the startups trying to create partnership between academia and, and the startups and MKB and it, it was all sexy and cool and you know we got a lot of good PR and it was really fun to do but realistically what we should have started with and now what we what we what we do in fintech lab together with the bank is with start with the bank's customers because every open innovation process is like you know if i know what kind of problems what kind of problems my customers have then i can decide whether I want to solve this through open innovation and I want to buy a company, I want to partner with a company or I want to, or I want to go the, the old way of building something. But if you don't start with the customers, then it's going to be really hard. And this is one of the, the big learnings MKB and uh, we at FinTech Lab had is that if there is no clear customer value, 
you can do anything, it's not gonna succeed. I follow you with that, but if there is a clear customer value, why cannot I innovate that the old-fashioned way inside the company? Why should I do it via open innovation? I think it, the answer is twofold. The first is about around customer experience. The second is around speed. So what I believe in is that if you usually work with startups, what I tend to see is that they are better in understanding their customers and uh, better in creating uh, amazing customer experience. And if you can bring that in, then your customers will be really happy if you, if you have done that. And the second thing is around speed. So if you decide that you want to, to build something yourself with the average current method, product development methodology a corporate has nowadays in Hungary and the C region, and I think even globally, it's going to take you much, much more time, even with the, with the right like I prototype, the prototype I tested, it's going to take much more time and much more resources than if you say, I partner up with this startup, we go to the customer in two months and we get direct feedback from the customers if it's succeeding or not. And so there's a question like, why can't corporates be as fast as a startup? And there I have a quote that we really like, uh, which is about, it's, really, it's much harder to unlearn something than to learn something new. And I think this is pretty much describes why you should be open to, to working with startups and working with people outside the organization is because if you have someone in the organization who is really smart and you know really open to anything, the question is not whether he or she can learn how to work in agile and how to be more customer centric and how to, to, to use lean methodology in product development. The question is, can, how can you help him or she unlearn all the legacy that she or he has learned in the last 25 years? And this is the, my, my job. This is the hardest part of my job uh, working with corporates. You use the word legacy a couple of times. And whenever we run into any fintech corporation collaboration, we can always uh, read about legacy IT systems. Can we clarify what you mean about that? By legacy, I mean all the traditions that's holding innovation back in a corporate, which can be either for me cultural or like physical slash IT that's, you know, like already existing and you can touch it and you can test it. The cultural legacy, what I mean by that is this, uh, this inside out perspective that I meant. So if people have been working in a comp corporate, that's really about a product development process that's that's by nature inside out they tend to they tend to be attacked by this you know like hey go to a customer hey do customer discovery hey you know like go out and talk to startups uh, method of working because that's not what they they used to the second type of legacy especially in banking is the the architectural legacy and um, this is really true in IT. So most of the banks are running on IT architectures that, that was built 20 to 25 years ago with some patching in the last uh, 20 years, but really not built on the technologies that now startups are building themselves on, like from cloud to, to AI to APIs. These are not the words bank usually use when, they, when you go to a traditional bank IT operations guy. And 
this is problematic because a it's really really expensive to develop stuff on these platforms and b it takes much more time and it takes much more resource to develop anything so if you have if i have if i'm a, you know like a newcomer bank and i have a a cloud-based uh, cloud-based uh, core system where i can you know do uh, when I can uh, go live with applications almost every day compared to normal bank where they release new updates every six months. That's a huge difference it makes to any kind of innovation, open or normal as well. Does that also mean that in terms of successful open innovation, you need a more up-to-date IT system? Not necessarily, but I think that if you want to attack and rethink your core business. And if you're currently serving your core business on, on your on your legacy IT, then yes. But I also think that open innovation can be used in other sides of the, the organization as well. Like you can, for example, rethink how you onboard uh, you know, employees, how you offboard employees, how you, you know, initiate projects inside. You can work with academia to find a new method. So Open innovation is not almost goes hand in hand with IT and uh, and uh, core business product development, but I also believe the biggest uh, the biggest effect you could, open innovation can have is when it's being combined with the the core business or the you know the core services of a company. I see. You also mentioned another kind of legacy, cultural legacy, and being someone responsible for product development at a company. I can imagine that if a company and the employees have been working inside out, as you mentioned, and innovating themselves, it's not that easy or not necessarily everyone is very welcoming about open innovation, letting people from outside coming enter to their territory and disrupt it. Are they usually easy to onboard or do they typically resist? What I realized in the last three years is that the question is not if they have the competence, but if they have the openness and the attitude towards these kind of things. And this is not just true for open. Open innovation is one of the sexy words nowadays, but there's a lot of other sexy words that corporates should embrace, like agile, human-centered design, etc., etc. And what I tend to see is you can have successful projects if you find people who are passionate inside about these topics. If you have a CEO who delegates someone to, hey, do open innovation with Janos and FinTech Lab because it's going to be good for me and the company. You're not going to succeed. We also had some failures. It's not about position or, 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 or anything, but you find the passion in someone and you can turn those guys into champions. You don't need a 20-person project to make an open innovation project successful. You need those one or two champions inside who will help you break down the walls that, that are presented by the other cultural issues. And then you can succeed, but it's not about, as I said, not about, not about position, and it's not not, not not about competence, but about passion and the willingness to learn and change and open. And then the match made in heaven can come. Actually, yes. So you have all these presentations, and all these big uh, consultancy firms have this amazing presentation about processes and step number one, step number two. But in reality, doing something new that has never been done before in an organization, it's never like that. But if you have like those handful of people with you in the army, then you can you know bring down the barriers and bring down the walls and then you know take amazing things into the hands of the customers. 
Sounds great. What else do you need? I mean, we mentioned legacy systems, legacy culture, but I guess much more is needed in order to bring successful open innovation initiatives. So how should we approach it in practice? I think you need two things, actually three. One of the things, as I mentioned before, is these, the, to find these champions inside the organization. You can use different types of methods. So if you, for example, I worked in MKB before I became uh, head of FinTech Lab, so I, I had an idea who these people can be, but there are you know a lot of measurements, even these management tasks and help you identify who are those uh, champions that will actually do the work next to you. The second thing you need, or actually it should be number one, is the C-level commitment. So if your CEO doesn't allocate any time to these topics or or one of the strongest deputy CEOs doesn't allocate any time to these topics, I don't see any chance to, to succeed because then middle management will block you and they will have their own, you know, like problems and KPIs and uh, priorities. And even if you have the, the champions, it cannot be 100% uh, bottom up. You need the top down support as well. And the third thing is, um, and it, it combines the previous two is uh, resources slash uh, patience and time. So you have to realize that while maybe changing the the rates on a personal loan has, you know, like a well-developed uh, structure and process and you know how much time it takes and what's the expected return, etc. Usually with uh, innovation, you don't exactly know what is going to be the end result. You have to have the patience and the belief that hey, I have the best guys on my, you know, my, on my left hand and on my left, light right hand, we're going to succeed because these guys really want to do it. And I, and I see in the, when I see in the eyes of these people, I believe that they will, you know, return value for me as an organization's hand. Can you also talk about some tools that would seem successful, but maybe in your experience does not work? That's a really, 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 really good question. I wouldn't say we have tools that we tested and did not really work, but most of the the failed experiments were around either not having the C-level support or not having the champions. Or there were one of the projects when the champion was let go from the organization mid-project. And uh, when you find yourself in the middle of a project with no champion, we just had to stop. We tried, you know, like going forward for a couple of weeks, but realized if there is nobody inside an organization that's willing to break down any wall just, you know, to make his or her own customers happy, you should end that, you should end that project. Yes. So actually, it really resonates with last week on my interview with Balazs Vinay. He also said that success is not about the greatest idea. It always depends on on people. It is. Everything is a people's business. What you know, we have to realize, even if you're a bank or a small startup, or it's it's to me. And you know, this is how I try to lead fintech lab as well. It's all about a if you're if you're able to attract the right people for organization you know the they have to be smart enough passionate about b how you keep them like passionate because there are some organizations who like hey i'm a big bank i'm gonna hire a designer and then if you have the designer work on ppts for a ceo or if you have the designer work for or some you know projects that i would say shitty and you know have you'll never see the light of the customer 
then that designer is gonna leave you. And the third is, you know, you have to constantly pair uh, the passion of these people with, with the right projects. And then I think if you do these three things, you know, you can do anything, whatever it is you do, you can succeed. Is it worth to be one of these champions that you mentioned? It's not easy to tear down walls in a big corporation, especially in the financial sector. I think it's worth it. And um, if you are a champion with no high-level support, there is a very high possibility that you, you're going to fail somehow because nobody will save you when you have the really thick walls. But if you have the C-level support, then you're going to be a rock star. That's what we... By the way, you know, we have this startup program in MKB Fintech Lab where we recruit eight startups uh, from all around the world to come here for 12 weeks uh, and work with us in Fintech Lab on identifying uh, use cases with the bank. And we have a key mentor uh, to every startup. So every startup has a, a champion inside the bank. And how we recruit the, the champions is, you know, finding the passion. But what I want to emphasize here is that you have to make these guys rock stars. So for example, what we do is, you know, we do blog posts on these guys. We do social media posts on these guys, you know, we do posters inside the organization. And because this is, this is not their job, but you have to, so, you know, nobody, nobody's job description, like, you know, like is described like being a champion 20% of his time. It's, it's all on top of the 100% on the priorities. But if you can, you know, like maintain the level of passion and, uh, and the level of motivation and make them a rock star, then it's really, really worth being a champion. But make sure you always have the sea level support because then you will have a hard time. Yeah, as, as with every project within yeah. an organization. But this is actually a shout out to anyone working in a corporate that it is how like FinTech Lab happened is that, you know, I was working inside MKB and, you know, we we saw an opportunity where we could create value to MKB and create value to the customers and, and the whole group. And if you if you see an opportunity for change in an organization and you find support, you know, like uh, some level higher up than you, then go for it and change the organization. Yeah, let's do that. Do you think in your experience or what you saw, is there any kind of organization that is more suitable for that? Should it be big? Should it be smaller? What industry should it operate? I think that companies that tend to be more successful in open innovation, besides having the champions and then the level support, tend to have some kind of external urge to change themselves. So for example, for us, it's banking. It's, it's pretty easy because if you go online, even on like, you know, the traditional media sites, you see Revolut, Fintechs, this, like Apple Pay, Facebook launching payments. So it's pretty easy for a, for an organization to understand that, okay, now, you know, it's been 65 years. It's been a great 65 years, but now rethink how we like, you know, attack the market and, uh, and maintain the customer experience and the customer satisfaction we have. If you don't have that, companies tend to be more comfortable you can have a ceo that's really like passionate and i'm gonna change but but they tend to be stay as they are and uh, the companies that have some external urge tend to be more successful in open innovation because they have more to more to risk more to lose so once we have uh, c-level management on board and we have our champions that's great then maybe we can look for success but i guess it's also a key element whom to collaborate with 
Can you give us some advice on how to choose the companies? Yes. What we do in FinTech Lab is, uh, when it comes to partnerships, is twofold. We collaborate with startups. So how it works is that we identify, you know, uh, use cases in MKB based on customer feedback, and then go to either our startups or startups in the world and tell them, hey, this is these are our challenges. What kind of solutions do you have? And, and let's talk. And then when we match a challenge with, you know, one of the startups products, then we do a project together and take it to the customers. But there is another kind of uh, open innovation partnership I really believe in is when corporate collaborates with corporate. This is something that we have just started to, to get our like feet into. But I think it, it also has a, like a tremendous upside if, for example, you can find collaboration and be the facilitator of a collaboration between like a top bank and a top like energy company or a top taco company, a top retail company, because what startup collaboration is about, the corporate has the resources and the, the, the customer feedback, the customers, it's themselves. And then the startup has the speed, the agility, the customer centric methods, etc., etc. You combine them and you know, it's match made in heaven, as you said. But when you know, when you combine the, the corporate corporate and you think about customer journeys, and you can like you know like make a customer journey more smooth by facilitating a, a partnership between a bank and for example a tech company i think that also has tremendous upside for both corporates is there any cookbook in terms of how to choose your corporate partner or startup partner there are not really you know like as i said perfect recipe and cookbooks but there are some great resources in the internet that you can find like podcasts and blogs my favorite podcast that I listen to in this topic, because we work with traditionally fintech startups, not just startups, is uh, the 11FS uh, podcast that uh, I know you also listen to. And it's a it's, it's great resource if people want to find out more how they can work as a bank with a fintech startup. Yeah, they have several podcasts. They have Fintech Insider. They also have InsurTech Insider and Blockchain Insider. So yeah, worth to listen. So we mentioned a lot of time just this last 20 minutes successful will open innovation. What makes it successful? Most of the big financial corporates are for-profit corporations. So they like to see the return on their investment and they need to prove the viability of the project where they allocate resources to. So my question is on how long term can open innovation bring results and how can you measure it? How what kind of results can you expect? That's a great question. And it it's actually the question that I was the most afraid of when we all started this whole thing. So we worked a lot on how to create some balance between having the long-term view of like, this is innovation, guys, you know, don't ask about the numbers. It's just, you know, it's going to be good for you. And how you can like bring in actual short-term ROI through collaborations and, uh, and what we do. And what I what I propose to anyone who who starts journey is to always start with projects where you can measure this value and show it to show it to your boss and show it to the executives. We we measure value in uh, in, in we measure two kinds of value. The first value we measure is is financial. So most of the corp, most of the corporate startup partnerships we have done brought either cost saving or uh, upside revenue for the bank. For example, MKB has outsourced the PSD to 
IT development to one of our startups, FinTech Blogs. And if you look at the look at the proposals from all the big guys like IBM or Equal Microsoft, and you look at the proposal and how much it costs us to build a really good platform with FinTech Blogs, there is a number that you know even our executives uh, acknowledge. But we also measure other kinds of value. We measure we measure how many people we reach, how many HR leads we generate to to MKB and how much uh, PR value we generate. These are the the harder measurement that you have to do, but these are also important because this is about like changing the organization and to change the organization, you have to change a lot of things and you have to bring in new talents and the Open Innovation Initiative can help you do that as well. I'm gonna try and wrap it up. Mostly, it all depends on people. The first person it depends on is the customer. So you need to identify the customer value in a project. Then you need to find great partners, great partners within the organization that we called champions here, who can really bring the project forward and have the passion to tear down walls. And also great partners outside the company being a big corporate or a startup company. And then with that, maybe anything is possible, but of course you have to deal with the legacy systems being an IT system or cultural problems as well. But legacy is always, a, it's an opportunity for change. So it's also good. If everyone would do everything in the right way, a lot of people wouldn't have jobs on the consultant side or on the you know, other side of the table. So I think it's, it's a nice challenge. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Janos, for being on FinTech Talk today. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this topic, follow FinTech Flow on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn so that you don't miss another episode, as more is coming on corporate innovation later. Next week, we will talk about the instant payment system that will be introduced in Hungary in a couple months and the possibilities that it will bring to banks, service providers and to the population. Stay tuned and follow the flow.